0: To the University of Adversity, where the only rules of the class is to hold your head up high and keep moving forward. Because when the going gets tough, the tough get going. And now, here's your host, Lance ECOs. Hey, everyone. So great to be here. So thankful to have you here listening to this. I'm just so grateful if you're taking the time out of your busy day and I can hopefully bring some value to your life. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button on iTunes, and after the episode, go ahead and leave a review and five-star rating. This is just to basically be able to boost this show. The more we can push this show, the more it grows, and the more um, ears and eyes this can get to. So that's my mission, is to get this in front of as many people as possible. So let's make that happen. We got an awesome guest today. Every guest is awesome, but every guest is so special. Um... Shannon Hoverson she's been through a lot she lost her husband um, to cancer and it's very close to my heart as I lost my dad to cancer as well and we really get into some some really inspiring stuff in this episode you know she's had to take a serious amount of um, serious amount of struggle and pressure and she's raising four kids and taking on businesses once her you know husband has passed so you can only imagine it's just it's an incredible ride, and she's had to go through a lot, her and her family. So we dove deep. Uh, we went into some deep things. So make sure you listen to the end. It's really, it's really valuable, and I personally got a lot out of it. So I hope you enjoy. The show's coming right up. Just a quick word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Mike Young, the makeover master. If you feel your business image might be costing you money, influence, power, and respect, Then head over to MakeoverMaster.com to discover what their complete brand makeover experience is all about. Go check it out right now because everyone deserves to look their best. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of University of Adversity. I'm your host, Lance Isios. My next guest has an incredible story of inspiration, leadership, and bravery. She is known by most as Shani and is recently a widowed mother of four rambunctious kids. The pain she has felt since losing her soulmate and entrepreneurial husband, Mark Hoverson, in August 2018, has been the driving force to keep her bravely moving forward. She continues to run and oversee the three businesses that Mark created and is an inspiration to women everywhere, with her tagline being, With Brave Wings, She Flies. And I'm really excited to have her on. She's um, really inspirational and powerful. And we're connected through the same uh, sort of community of people, you know, trying to change the world. And I'm really excited to bring her on. So Shannon Hoverson, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Lance. Thanks for having me.
0: It's a pleasure. And I'm so excited to dive into your story because I know it's very powerful and you could, you know, really help a lot of people. So I know with losing your husband, it must have been just incredibly painful, but also you've also had to grow so much with it. Maybe just take us back, fill in the gaps, how you got to where you are today and sort of piece together the story on, you know, how it all happened.
1: Okay. So you want me to go way back or you want me to go to the beginning of his cancer journey?
0: Well, you go back as comfortably as far as you want to go and we can just go from there.
1: Okay. Well, I'll try and make it a short and condensed version. But as far as I feel like to go into Mark and I's story, it is important to understand before the entrepreneurial story because- a lot of times, these entrepreneurs they will meet each other along the journey, right? That's kind of how you find your best friends. Mark always would tell people when he was, you know, in the entrepreneurship. You know, a lot of times you will meet your best friends or your future spouses, et cetera. And so we actually were together back, and we got married in two thousand and two. So this is before online markets. So we're like old school. This is when emails finally getting faster, and it's not dial up and you know, you're able to do YouTube and video marketing. So we go way back and knew each other since we were 16 years old. And it was precious because I immediately had an attraction for him. And uh, yeah, he didn't quite have that attraction for me. So I had to wait, wait a little bit for him to open his eyes. But as the time came around, we were total platonic best friends for five years. It was honest, platonic friendship. It was a beautiful thing. And he was kind of building his girl garden, he said. And by girl garden, what I mean is he had a lot of platonic girlfriends and was kind of trying to decide which flower he wanted to pick. So finally, after five years, he picked me and we got married, had four kids in four and a half years. He was a youth pastor to start with. And it was tough. It was a tough journey because we both, after hindsight, looking at our life, knowing that we got married and we had four kids right away in four and a half years. Some people thought we were crazy because we had no money. Living in a trailer, literally barefoot and pregnant. He was more stressed out about it than I was. I didn't grow up with a lot of wealth, but had everything I needed, so it never bothered me. But I learned later down the road that it really bothered him, and he was really stressed out about that. So we were doing, he was doing the youth pastor thing. We lived, you know, income just wasn't as bright because we had four kids so soon together that he decided one day, you know what? It's just, I'm over this. I'm over this. I want to feel not stressed out about paycheck to paycheck, trying to figure bills out, having to ask the parents to help us fix, you know, the hot water heater in the trailer. I remember one night we had our son and the gas ran out for our trailer and the guy, gas guy came to fill it up. And Mark was like, here's a check, but it's going to bounce. And the guy looked at us with the little baby in my arms and was, didn't even say a word, took the check and left. And so, I mean, we've been through legit stories, but we were both two hardworking people. It was tough, I guess, to make those ends meet for whatever reason. And so we kept going. So finally he was like, enough is enough. And I want to provide for the family something more. I want to have more freedom. And that's when he learned about online marketing. To be honest, I'm not even sure how he learned about it because I was, I think, pregnant with our third kid. (laughs) And so he kind of was doing his thing. And we, I remember, needed our next mortgage payment. And he was like, how would you feel if I spent it on, at the time it was Jeffrey Combs, he was old school leader of the industry coaching wise, and it was $2,000. And back in 2007, $2,000 was like $200,000 to us and mortgage payment was due and we didn't even have that. So I'm like, it's like, well, I'm going to also need your social security number because i'm gonna to need to get a credit card <laughs> and at this point we hadn't dived into my credit yet it was just him doing his thing and i was just like i was fine i actually was pretty supportive and that was one thing i really loved about mark is through all the ups and downs when we got married he didn't he lost his job he was working at a youth group home where one of the kids ran away on his time and so he lost his job i found out not through him through a friend <laughs> and confronted him on it. And I'm like, why didn't you tell me? And he's like, well, I didn't want you to be stressed out. <laughs> but I never, here's the thing with Mark is that's why I was so drawn to him is I trusted him. I felt safe with him. And I think that was one thing that it just drew me to him. I felt safe. And so maybe guide me here. Where do we want to go next? So he paid for the coaching, used my social security number, got, I think like 10,000 from that. Yeah. And the rest is history. He, he skyrocketed and he really made it work. And I just was along for the ride, really. I, you know, it wasn't all roses. I, was, I could be kind of feisty too. So I'm not going to make myself look perfect, like I was the perfect little wife that supported him the whole time. I do remember back in those days, you got a list of people to call, right? So you, you got your list that you bought and you just smile and dial And I remember we were out. I don't know if it was on a date or if we were at home. It was before he had made it. I think it was before his first sale even. And I remember one time he, his phone was ringing. We had the flip phones and his phone was ringing. And I was like, oh, you better go run and get that because I hadn't seen any sales yet. And so I just had, I had a B moment. And never since then did I ever do that, say that again to him because he worked hard for it. I was probably just stressed out from the kids or whatever the case may be. But You know, it's a lot of work that goes into being an entrepreneur and looking back, I appreciate everything he did and even mentally sometimes having to block me out when I was feisty and still making it happen. You think about that, about relationships and just the business in itself, like sometimes you got to mentally just block out out the world.
0: No, absolutely. And it's crazy to think because in 2007, things were a lot different, right?
1: (laughs) Very different. And
0: he obviously you guys had to fail a few times and kind of learn and keep growing. And sometimes it's hard because you don't know what's going to happen. Right. And especially back then, I mean, it was still so foreign like Facebook and social so media. So
1: foreign. It was so I, different.
0: Like it's I crazy.
1: remember the first time he learned about, gosh, was it Google ads or Facebook ads? One of the, it was one of the two. I think MySpace yeah. just quit and you were, everyone was getting to Facebook. Yeah, everybody
0: was <laughs> switching over. <laughs>
1: switching over. And so I know he learned about ads and, He didn't know how to work the ad system and so he was gonna spend two hundred total. Like like, that's all we had for ads, it was two hundred dollars and so he was gonna make that last like through the month or something. Like back then that lasted a while and he accidentally he didn't hit the right buttons and I remember that being gone in like five minutes and no sales. And we were like, Oh shit. Yeah,
0: that's (laughs) yeah. I've been there. I've been there. You're like, hey, I want my money back. <laughs> you're like, I was just kidding. I did. <laughs> it's crazy. It's almost like you're at the casino. You put it down and it's gone. You're like, what? You know, mm-hmm. and, and you don't get what you, I mean, but that's the thing is like, it's always an investment into your business, right? And, and it is. And sometimes,
1: exactly. And sometimes, you know what? It's scary. It's scary to take that leap. I know he was probably scared to use my social security number and to get credit, but he invested that into, because we were in the travel industry. And so, you know, we took these trips and the big thing then was video marketing. It was brand new. Him him, and Jonathan Bud, and a few others were like the beginning, beginners of the video marketing industry. And so, you know, you, he invested a lot into coaching, into the equipment, into the trips. And it's scary because you don't know what's going to happen, right? But I think if you make that leap and you just do it sometimes... And you believe in yourself; it just it happens, and that's what he did. He believed in himself. I believed in him, and we did it. We just did it, and we put ourselves. He put himself out there more than me because I was with the kids more at that time, and he made it happen. So sometimes you got to take that leap, and it works
0: out. Um, Yeah, but you're just as important to success as as him doing the business, right? Having that person to lean on is super important. You know, the support because it can be tough out there. You know, learning these things and having the haters and trying one thing and then not working if you don't have that support it's really really tough so like what did you learn along the way and I mean what was the first thing where you guys were like oh yes finally things are starting to pick up like what was the first sort of uh the moment that kind of changed things for you guys
1: yeah that's a good question so uh, I remember very well when he finally dialed in the video marketing and webinars was new at wow. the time and go to webinar and I remember he had one person show up and he was so nervous to do it because it was new. It was brand new. And people are even nervous today to do them. But one person showed up and they bought. It was like the one, but you know, you made it seem like there's a lot of people on there.
0: But yeah, let's it was, it was name in the comments, guys. Hey.
1: Exactly. So really it was that first sale. It's like once you get that first sale, it's like your confidence just boom, skyrockets. Right. And so from then on, he had more confidence to do more webinars and more people started following him and his presence on YouTube hit with the Google slap or the YouTube slap where all of his videos, which I'm so sad about are like gonzo from the early days. But once those sales just started popping, it's like you got that first sale and the confidence was in and then he just kept going and realized this worked and realized his videos were working overtime for him. And then we just knew the first year I remember we had a hundred thousand dollars in the bank and we were like, wow, like we've never had this much And then taxes came and we gave it all back to, you know, the government, but it was, it was a great feeling to be in that spot. And we just, the conferences and the speaking, and really I kept supporting him. And so we realized that the, the income skyrocketed, but you know, Mark still had, I feel like people still have all this internal stuff they're still dealing with, even if they make it, it's almost like the old stuff. It's still really hard to get rid of, even though he had coaching and he dealt with my stuff. I remember telling him, one time I prayed for him and he made an info product. It's called Solomon CEO. And I prayed for him. I'd always pray over all of his products, over all of his businesses. And I remember praying that his product would be heard around the world. And him telling me afterwards, you know, I that's a little selfish, I think, to want that much. And, it, and then it, it has, though, you know. And so I think it was just hard for him. He didn't really think it was selfish. It was just hard for him to imagine. That happening, you know, and believing that much in himself that it was that good. And I remember also one time when we started coming into income. So then we moved from where we down south up to North Dakota to be by family. And I remember him asking me, "Well, how much do you think we need a month?" Because I would always do the bills and take care of all the boring stuff, so he could just focus on creating. And I remember saying this would have been back in two thousand eight ish. I think I said, "Well, I think eight thousand a month would be be a great number." And he just thought I was asking way too much and being selfish and crazy. And, you know, and he tells us, he's told this story before himself. And he was like, man, now it's like, that would even cover the basics. You know, as you grow, you have more expenses because you have more of a team. And so, you know, I think I helped, I think I believed more in him than he did himself. And sometimes it takes that to have someone who believes in you more than yourself.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I I noticed that a lot too. It's your Your limitations are set by what you're conditioned with when you grow up, right you don't think things are possible, and we're just conditioned to think a lot of times that money's evil like too much money must not be you know that abundance mindset yep. like so many people live in scarcity that they think, oh if I make too much money, then it's like selfish or greedy or something, and yep. well, somebody must be cheating if they make that much money and it's mm-hmm. it, it's crazy because like I was the same way I grew up in the same sort of family we didn't have money and and my dad would be like, oh, yeah, they're rich, those rich people, you know? And mm-hmm. and you realize it's, like it's conditioning, it's mindset, and you only limit yourself if you think like that. And as you start to grow and, you know, you start to really expand how you think about money, things can change so fast. You know? So
1: fast, so fast. And, you know, and, and it is interesting how we just, you don't know what those beliefs are until you challenge yourself. Yeah. So for me, it was never a problem to... Except the growth of income, even though I didn't have a lot, it was never an issue, so I never understood, but then you know Marcus told stories where he would see his dad you know just bent over the kitchen counter, just stressed out and sweating and rubbing his head and Ugh. you know and he knew just to tiptoe because that was bill day,
0: oh, you yeah. know,
1: and just stressed out trying to figure out how are these bills going to get paid and then you know so I understand when we when we were together and we lived in the trailer. And you know I'm getting scolded for using too much milk in my cereal, where I've never had to deal with that growing up. But he did because his parents would scavenge the garbage cans for the cereal boxes that had the slice through them that the stores would throw out, and they'd use yeah. powdered milk. <laughs> and wow. so it was just—it was almost like flashback to his childhood. But I didn't know those stories, yeah. you know. So I didn't know how to understand it at the time until afterwards. But yeah, that—I that affects. Person, for
0: sure. yeah and I mean it's it's nobody's fault because that's all they know right yeah. I mean I remember what growing up too and 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 if I I had to like be sneaky if I wanted to have a second shower because my dad would be like yeah. why are you showering twice like yeah <laughs> I mean, like yeah. he's like that's hot water and then I look back now I mean he's you know and he's not around anymore either but I mean I look back and I'm like man that, that's the way it is and that's the way a lot of people are conditioned so it, it makes so much sense that that's all you're going to think so you really got to push yourself into mm-hmm. really you know, looking outside the box and kind of digging deep. So, Yeah, and
1: I think sometimes it's good to surround yourself with other people who don't have those issues. And I think a lot of times people, especially having this experience with Mark and his cancer, just sharing. I didn't plan on, you know, going on Facebook and writing out my journey, but did. And the response that I've had, and so many people that have been inspired by it, I just think we all, that's why I appreciate you doing this podcast, because the more people understand If they just share, open up. What are you thinking? What are you? Because they're not alone. Like you're not the only one with your story. Maybe a little different version of the story, but there's somebody out there with your story that can be like, "No, you're not crazy. It's going to be okay. There's hope for you." And we just got to share. We're too scared that we're the only ones that are dealing with whatever we're dealing with.
0: Or I don't know about you, but for myself, it was I was always I was never taught to express myself. Keep everything private. You know, and I'm like you, I want to get into the story about what happened with Mark, but I mean, I'm the same. I lost my dad to cancer suddenly in 2017. My brother to suicide, Mm -hmm. not even a year before that. And when that happened, yeah, I mean, I dealt with it and all that, but I mean, I'm only telling the story because I was this, I was, I had this, this emotion, this story, but I was afraid to tell it at first because Mm -hmm. I thought I could hear my dad saying, oh, keep that to yourself. But I said, no, like people need to hear this. People mm-hmm. need to hear this story because somebody out there could listen and then boom, it could change their life like that. And that's why podcasts, that's why sharing stories like this is so important because somebody could be listening, going through something just like we've gone through mm-hmm. and then boom, they make a shift. I know
1: I'm immediately, now I want to talk about your story. I'm just saying just because you mentioned it though, but yeah. that's the whole point
0: of. Well, that's why yeah. when, when I found out about you, cause I had heard about this before and I, you know, being in the same sort of community of marketers. Your husband is a very well-respected man. And he was he was just an absolute genius when it comes to so many things. And when that happened to me, and then I heard that, I thought, well, we got to connect for sure. And maybe just, okay, so it's around 2008, 2009, everything is going well. You guys are blowing up. Business is good. And then maybe talk us through like, whoa, what happened? And kind of the shocker and yeah, we'll we'll go for that. Yeah, further.
1: and so this is even a little bit pre knowing that he had cancer and I think with a lot of entrepreneurs you can get good at your craft and want to kind of expand out and try something else. And so a lot of times you can invest the money you've made into doing something new, a new venture. So Mark in 2010, 12, 13, he was kind of getting into Wanting to do a new venture, not just the same old marketing, not the same old marketing, the same products. And so he started wanting to get more into, Mark's always been really big into mentoring. He was a t-ball coach, basketball coach, just always mentored and loved mentoring guys, obviously in particular, because that makes more sense. And so he got started in, I think it was 2012. We took on, we had four kids of our own. And when I tell a story, people laugh. They're like, how did you do that? But he took on a couple guys to come live with us and mentor them and just basically mentored them in family, mentored them in business, the whole deal. And in the same time, he was creating a new company. So he was creating a new company called Limitless, which is basically life, business, health, gamified, but teaching. So basically everything he was teaching these boys, he made it into a game and made it into a business so that they can make an income as well. And so that grew from two guys up to like 30. And it was this group called Limitless. And I remember one of the guys being like, how in the heck did you ever allow Mark to have 30 of us guys in your house partying, you know, doing our thing? And I'm like, well, I said, it started off with two. So it was like a gradual process. But to answer your question, it, he had the big success, got an itch to do something else. And then in 2014, he was actually, we were at our house and he was wrestling one of the, his first guys that he was mentoring. So this kid's probably 21 at the time and Mark was probably 34 or something. And they were just wrestling and he just got a little mark, a little sucker punch to the side. All of a sudden he left, went upstairs to his room and we all just, whatever, kept visiting, doing our thing. And all of a sudden my son comes down and is like, Hey mom, like dad's just, he's not feeling too good. Like you got to go up there and went up there. Do you want me to go into the story? Did you want to talk more about
0: the no, entrepreneur? I, I love, let's just, I want to hear this. Yeah. I know. Okay.
1: So I'm like, okay, well, that's a little strange. So I go upstairs and he, Had taken a shower trying to get rid of the stomach pain and he couldn't even get his own shorts on. It was so random, so out of the blue. And so we took him to the ER right away. And I remember getting in the car and him telling me to get all four kids. He's like, get me all four kids. He knew something was really, really wrong. Mind you, Mark is the healthiest guy that I have ever met in my life. He's never sick. The whole family will get sick. The dog will get sick. Mark does not get sick. His big tagline was, I don't get sick. I just get cancer. (laughs) But we went, he got in the car. He pulled all the four kids. We got him in. He gave them each a hug and a kiss and told him goodbye because he just felt something inside of him. So we go off to the ER. I'm just in shock. Like, what the heck is going on, right? And so we get there. And of course, because it's stomach and whatnot, they take him in right away. And I remember him laying on the hospital bed in the hallway and I'm just, I'm screaming at the doctors and I'm like, help him, help him. He's white and cold and they're trying to do their thing, you know, and they kick me out of course, cause I'm the screaming wife. That's, you know, wanting him to get help. Mm-hmm. And I remember talking to Mark after that moment when he came to, finally they revived him, got him to where he needed to be. We're in the waiting room and weeks down, I'll get back to the hospital, but weeks down, I remember him saying like, did you, when I was in the hallway, were you yelling at the doctors to, you know, help me? And, you know, he's white and cold and stuff. And I'm like, cause he was out. I mean, he was, you thought he was dead. He was that white and that cold. And uh, he was, I was like, yeah. So he, that's his first, he likes to call it out of body experience where he actually was above and like saw us down there. And oh. I was like, Holy cow. I call Mark the man with more than nine lives. Cause He should have been dead several times. But we get to the hospital. We're in the waiting room. And I remember the doctor coming in there. It's just the ER doctor. So he's not supposed to say anything. He's supposed to let like the cancer doctors and stuff do their job. And Mark's like, just be honest with me. Mark's the type that just don't fluff around with me. Tell me how it is. And we'll go with it from there. So he's like, well, there's hundreds of lesions on your liver and a really large one on your pancreas. And so we're like, Mark's like, what is that, cancer? He's like, well, I'm not really supposed to say, but yes, it looks like it. And so, of course, we're just like in shock, really crying in shock and whatnot. And so, we took the next step. So It took us several tries to figure out what type it was. So it took several different trips to different hospitals. But you know, the first couple of years, it was it was okay. He still functioned. You didn't really, even when he went through chemo or other treatments, you didn't really think you know he lost his hair, but he was still pretty physically strong and so you know he went through a lot of emotions but the kids as far as the kids are concerned like he still was marked he was still doing everything normal that he would do so you didn't think a lot about it does that make sense Yeah. like yeah and so it's it wasn't really until he physically and so you just saying not to share This was probably the hardest part for me is Mark wanted to keep it a secret. So April of 2014, he's diagnosed and immediately he's like, except for, you know, of course, close family members do not talk about this. Don't tell this to anybody. I don't want to be known as a cancer guy. I want to be known for what I'm known for, of course. And so, yeah, so we go on this journey and he's building this limitless company. He's getting back into speaking and back into the other companies but then, a couple of years go by, and he just he cannot work anymore. it just by two thousand sixteen it's just taking a toll on him, I think mentally uh not just physically but mentally taking a toll on him and and it he was not able to work so the last couple of years of his journey, he just could not work um businesses because he was the face of them, just started to go down, finances started to go down, and I was taking care of him, so I wasn't working and, and so then Luckily, Mark was just a very blessed man. We're very, our family is very blessed to have lots and lots of marketing friends. Mark mentored a lot of people. And so I remember he got hit. So we, he had a lot of ups and downs. So like one point he went through remission and the doctors were like, who is this guy? The first time he got diagnosed, it was, you have 30 days to live. You're never going to ski again. Get all your businesses in order. Tell all your friends goodbye, et cetera. This is when he first got diagnosed in 2014. Yeah, okay, He lived until August of 2018. Wow. And so, and so, you know, he had a lot of ups and downs. He had a lot of close calls. He had in 2017, he was on the first time he was on hospice, puking up blood. Two weeks later, he had planned this mastermind in Hawaii. And he's like, no, Shannon, you're taking me to Hawaii. We're still going. I'm like, you just puked blood and you still want to go to this mastermind. What a and so, Oh, I'm telling you, it was just like he was going to live. I
0: have goosebumps right now hearing this.
1: Yeah. No, this oh. man is, it's incredible. Like, yeah, I mean, who, I'm sick with the cold and I would have canceled. I yeah. mean, he, you know, and so we go to Hawaii, we have this mastermind and he, he's having to be pushed in a wheelchair. He's super thin. You know, we're telling the people like, we don't know what's going to happen. He could go, but we're going, you know, he could pass, but we're going and we're going to be here. We're going to give it our all. And these 10 people come, love it, probably one of the best masterminds, and he ends up actually getting too sick and we can't fly back home. And so we're in Hawaii having to figure out how to take care of him. We find out from the naturopath, he had a hemoglobin, so him puking up the blood and whatnot, his body was losing blood. And we didn't realize this, that he was still losing blood. And so his hemoglobin was at three, normal is 13 to 17 for a healthy male. His was at a three, two, you're dead. (laughs) So we found it just in time, got him to the hospital, to get a full blood transfusion, go to the naturopaths, get him healthy enough, took about a month, month and a half to get him healthy enough to come back to the United States. And that's a couple ER trips while we're there thinking I was going to lose him a couple times, but that's just this man, like he has encountered so close to death that even when he passed away in the hospital in August, the kids and I, I mean, it was very obvious this was it, like he was going to go. We still thought he was going to come through. I mean, I think it wasn't until I think at some point you have everyone's got a breaking point, right? And so we're back from Hawaii. He hosts probably one of the most epic conferences in LA with hired speakers like Auntie Ann and Sherry's Berries. And I mean, he hires like some great people. There's a choir that's singing on stage, like this most epic conference he's ever done. And we get back and it's Thanksgiving. That was in October. Thanksgiving. We're out playing catch with the kids, football. And he's, you know, can't move, but he can. Be there and catch it and stuff, and made a little wrong move with his foot. And that's this is what I think broke his spirit. This is what I think was the end of him continually fighting. And so he caught the ball and he felt a little pain in his back, and he wasn't the same. Coming back inside from that, he was just laying on the couch and he kept saying to me, Shannon, something's not right. Something's not connecting. Something from my brain to my legs is not connecting. I feel like they're getting wobbly. So I take him into the ER, they do the whole scans, say he looks fine, give him some morphine and, you know, send him home type of a thing. But it's Mark knows, he's very in tune with his body. This is how in tune with Mark, with his body Mark is back in 2010. So 2004, this is just interesting when you look at life in hindsight. So in 2014, he got diagnosed. I remember in 2010, we were in Arizona and we were laying in bed one night and he goes, Shannon, and this is like, He's still in the prime of like his business and his health. And the kids are all like little, little and out of the blue. He's like, Shannon, I don't know what's going on, but I feel like I'm going to die. It was just interesting. And so then he he actually brought himself to the Mayo Clinic to get checked out and asked for a CAT scan, but they would not give him a CAT because he had signs. He had signs of like constant thirst, constant urination, sore feet. You know, little things like that, that we were starting to get checked out, but he was fine. He was not mm-hmm. diabetic. He wasn't, they could, his labs were great. They could not find anything. They're like, you look like a professional athlete. Just do this for this, do this for this, and then see how you feel. So he did everything they said. He's very good at self-care and got rid of the symptoms, but obviously not the problem. But isn't that mm-hmm. interesting to think about? And then yeah, they do say you normally, it's the same thing that Steve Jobs had, neuroendocrine pancreatic cancer. And so they do say you have it about eight to 10 years before you find it.
0: That's, yeah, you know what this is crazy is that's my dad had pancreatic cancer too.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: So it's just hearing this is just, it's just crazy. And it's just, uh, just to give you a little insight, anybody that doesn't know this story about my dad, I might as well just tell it now. Yeah. he, we were, I remember we lost him in July, 2017, but before that, I remember him just kind of talking about having a stomach ache of some sort, like indigestion he was very healthy. He had a naturopath and a functional medicine doctor. He didn't. And and he had a regular GP. So he was always going in his health was good. He lost a lot of weight. But that year before he lost, we lost my brother to suicide, my younger brother. So yeah. that really, I think affected him, right? So within that year, I really think something happened inside of him. So, you know, probably about, I think it was March or April. I didn't think it was anything because he was always just paranoid about everything, right? And his doctor told him, you know, at the time, don't be a hypochondriac, right? And this was like right a month or two before he died, which is crazy. So he went in, he started to get pains like in his like lower like private area and all that, like that stuff. And they told him they couldn't find anything. They thought, oh, you're, you know, there's nothing. You're just whatever. It was, it was crazy, but he kept getting more sore, more pain, more pain, more pain. And I'm in Australia. I'm living in Australia. I'm talking. I'm saying, Dad, like, are you like this is crazy? Like, are you all right? You know, he's like, I can't, I I can't sleep. I can't go to the bathroom. I can't sit. I can't do anything. And I'm like, wow, okay. And I'm thinking, whoa, like, this just hit me so, so hard. I was so busy at work. I was running a bar at the time. I was just too busy with other stuff. And it's, you know, in hindsight, I'm like, man, should have been there. But, but then all of a sudden, I get a call, and he's like, they're, they're like you know, your dad's got cancer and he's got basically 24 hours to 48 hours. And I'm oh, like, wow. you gotta be kidding me. Wow. So I flew from Sydney back to the Vancouver Island, Victoria. And then, yeah, it was literally like no doctors found it until he was in the emergency room. Then they finally saw spots and then, yeah. And it just happened. And it's crazy because what you're saying is he probably had signs of it before. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's, it's frustrating
1: I, not to be able to find it right away. Yeah,
0: yeah. And to think, you know, I mean, this its such a crazy illness because, you know, some people find it and then get some time. Some people don't. And it's just such a, it's a little, it's something that just so powerful and can go undetected. And yeah but it's
1: fast once they find it oh, it's fast
0: it's crazy and i yeah he literally that i had like five hours and then he they also medicate and drug them too much too like they're giving them all this stuff and yeah. I'm, I'm sitting there like what are you doing stop giving them that they're like oh he's not and you could just see them sort of like uh it's, it's hard to even the process it's hard to even sometimes i talk about it i'm like wow i can't even believe this you know but watching them just sort of kind of float away. And it's like, it's the reality of it, you know, and you kind of understand and you accept it. And yeah. And my next, my next thing with all this, I mean, you're forced when you're, when you go through something like this, you have two choices. You either let it destroy you, you go down that road of drinking, alcohol, drugs, whatever, self-sabotage, or you use the adversity as fuel. Right. That's the only choice. So You know, for you, you obviously used it as fuel. So what were you faced in that moment and how did things change when you knew like, wow, I have this huge responsibility, you know, I'm going to use this to fire me up and I'm going to keep this going. You know, like what changed within you that you knew that you had to act upon when that, when it all settled?
1: Right. So just to back up a little bit to before he passed and you know, because I was saying how he—I've said he's the man with more than nine lives—and right. he just—he should have died so many times prior. Not even sure how he kept going. And so I remember even on the hospital bed, like you said, they're—you know—they know this is it. They're pumping him more with drugs. They're speeding the process up. Not believing that he was going to go, but it, it was his time. It really was his time. But I still didn't believe it because it was Mark and it was like, you had, you know, your superhero, superheroes don't die. They come back. Right. Yeah. And so, but it was it. and I remember them telling just cause I'm, I'm sharing this because this is a really precious moment in case, you know, anyone out there is in the face of someone they love that dies. And I remember the doctor coming in and just being like, you know, don't take it personally if he doesn't, you know, pass when, you're in the room. It's just when it's their time to go, they go. And I'm thinking, oh, fuck no. Like, yeah. I'm going to be here when he goes, you know? Yeah. And so I remember curling up next to him and putting the music on and our Mark and Shanny playlist that we have and uh-huh. just talking to him, having that last, he was unconscious at this time. He could hear me, but he was unconscious. And I remember just telling him, you know, Mark, just tell me one more time that you love me. Just tell me you love me one more time. And this is after I told him, I just, I'm so proud of you. You did so good. You did so much for the family. Just, you know, and that stuff. And, he tried he tried to say i love you as much as he could but then i remember i remember someone talking to me and i think this is the hardest part about losing someone that's close to you is being in that moment and letting them go giving them permission to go because i think he probably would have kept holding on and it was almost like he was waiting for that moment and so i remember telling him like you can go like you can go to the light go for it. And I, you know, I hear different stories of people, you know, doing that. And so I experienced it real life, which was crazy in and of itself where I was like, you can go to the light and he actually lifted his hands twice. And so just, I think I share this because when you're with somebody who's been near death and then experiences death, your mind to the spiritual world and to God and life after death becomes really real and really close. And it was precious though, because I remember after he did that, my dad had just happened to come in at the same time with the kids. And so the kids got to lay on the bed with me, watch him take his last breath, have their hands on his heart. And we all got to feel his last heartbeat. And, you know, so I I tell this story because that just goes into the next story of what a moment that was. And it was precious. And, you know, it wasn't in that moment, but you know, you're, you're, swirling with funeral stuff and et cetera the next following week. Right. Yes. So then that happens and then that dies off and you're just left with like shock. I still thought maybe he was going to walk in the door from yeah. being away at a conference, you know, or something. And I was used to him sitting on the couch every day cause he couldn't do anything, but be on the couch and he would do one Facebook live a week. That's all he had the energy for. But even frail skin and bones doing Facebook live, bringing value to people. And so, you know, getting over that and then reality hits like, Holy shit, okay? This is real. And, you know, I think for me, I just did. I didn't even think about it. I honestly didn't even think about what I'm going to do next. I just, I felt moved, right? I felt a pull to share. So I started sharing my story on Facebook. It was almost like something overcame me and I shared and it just blew up and people were inspired and loved it. And people were like, oh my gosh, I went through this or I went through this or my husband had this or my spouse, you know, and it was just like, You know, overwhelming. They're just so blessed that I shared. And so then I shared and then sharing left to, okay, well, we got these businesses, they're dead, but I have them because we were left in, like I said, he couldn't work. And so the businesses all died. And so the finances were dead. And, you know, we had friends that did a GoFundMe for us that helped us, you know, helped us get to a certain point, but I still require to do something quick or it's go bankrupt and get a job as a secretary again, which is fine for those that feel called to do that. I didn't feel called to do that and it's not where I want to go back to. And so I just started slowly putting myself out there. I'm like me doing this wasn't just doing it because it was, you know, I got to say Mark's legacy. It's, it was both of us. We became one and we ended doing this together and I was just as much invested into these as him, but I'm so proud of him. I'm proud of the products he made. I'm proud of the businesses he created and I believe in them. And so I'm going to do whatever it takes to keep it going. It's not going to be easy. You know, you have the kids emotions you're trying to figure out and, you know, therapy or, you know, myself, I'm trying to figure out emotions and it's, it's a crazy road. You know, it's not just me. There's a lot involved with family and businesses and life. But I think a lot of times you just, you do, you just go with the next flow. There is no thinking, right? You're in that moment and it's, you don't have a choice. Yeah. But I could have chose not to do it, you know, not to follow the pull. but I felt led and it's one thing's leading to another. So we'll see.
0: Yeah. You get this like unexplainable boost of, of spirit or energy that I I know exactly when you're saying that again, I'm getting goosebumps from the story because I know exactly what you mean. And you just get this, like, you know, you're connected to the higher, higher self, whatever that may be for you, you know, God, you know, universe, whatever. You just you know, you feel more connected to that, and and it guides you through, and it's it gives you the strength. It's um, and you yeah, know you, you can't
1: explain it. it yeah, is you so can for real. Yeah,
0: and and you almost you feel this, you, like you said, you're not. You're it's like you're leading with your heart, not your head. You're yeah. In your head, you could talk yourself out of so much shit, right? You could say, ah. Oh, This or that or circumstances, this sucks, why this happened, I got all this, but then instead it's like you're leading from your heart and then Mm. really like truly the real you and and it kind of guides you to where you should be. You know,
1: I was thinking about this one day when (laughs) I was just on the ground and I was just crying and I was just crying and the pain, I had actual physical Pain inside of me from his death, and you know, because we were best friends, we were soulmates. We did business together. The kid, like we truly, like obviously, it was marriage, and it wasn't perfect, but we truly. I've never had a relationship like I had with him. And so one day, I was just on the floor crying, and I just pictured. I felt like I was in the boxing ring, and I could just hear this voice be like seven, eight, nine, and I thought, oh no, oh no, I'm not. You know, it's almost. I did have that choice if I could quit before they got to ten, and I'm out, game over. Or I had the choice to get back up. And maybe I just saw the Rocky movie or something that inspired it. Wow. But <laughs> I remember I got closer to 10 and I'm like, hell no, I'm I'm up. I'm up yeah. and I'm going to keep going. And I think if you can keep getting up, eventually now for me, I don't have that physical pain like I had. Now I'm going to have your typical entrepreneur days where I'm just like, Ugh, I just want a break, you know. But it's not that physical pain. I know I'm called to do this and I just do it now. Yeah. So. So I think you can get past that is what I'm saying.
0: Yeah, definitely. And just that self-awareness that you you know you can feel it, but you know that you have to get through it, and it will still be there, yep. you know, of course, but you learn to kind of deal with it, and you learn to take it in stride, right, instead of yep. having it kind of hold you back. So aside from that, okay, so now you're on your entrepreneurial journey. Yep. You know, you're on your way. What kind of things – First, what kind of things do you do to prime yourself to get like into the zone, into that? Because it's some days it's, you know, you got your kids. I'm just doing myself. I have, you know, my girlfriend, she has a separate job. It's hard enough for me to get in the zone just on myself. For somebody listening out there, you got four kids, you got a business, you're dealing with emotions. How do you prime yourself? What do you do on a daily basis? Because I'm sure that that tip could really inspire some people.
1: It's a a really good question and you have to take in part also that I'm in North Dakota. And so it was, it's been the worst winter in decades. I'm talking the worst. And so it's so cold that I don't even want to leave the house to get into my car to come to uh, this office is actually an old church. And it's, so in the winter it's like really cold, even with heaters. And so, yeah, so I have Mark's passing. I've got the kids, I've got, you know some days I just want to sleep and be depressed about it really and so some of my tips are I don't know tips but things that I do for myself I have a really good friend of mine who I will just call and just vent it out to him I'm like I'm just having one of those days and yeah. then uh, he likes to compare me to Khaleesi from Game of Thrones and so he's <laughs> always you know, well Khaleesi had to do this and she had to do this and she rose up <laughs> so sometimes it's just talking to somebody and just having someone that you can just vent to that they're not going to get drained by you venting to them. So some days it's that, but most days it's music. Music is my key. I'm sitting there, whatever that music is, I'm just pumping it up, literally dancing by myself and getting pumped up. So it's either a friend or it's music or it is, you know, the motivational YouTube, you got this, your mind is this, you are this and you know, that gets me going, but it's usually taking act like some kind of action. Like obviously there's reading books and there's different things like that, but to get going, get pumped up. If I just want to stay in that bed curled up, it's no, I just get up and I start cranking. I just, for me, it's yeah. the noise and the movement that gets me going.
0: Yeah. That's, that's, I just got back from Tony Robbins, Alicia. Nice, and that's nice. exactly what he says. And it's so true because yeah. you know, the, the difference between a good day and a bad day is your state most of the time. Yeah. Right how did you prime your day? Did you get up and you're listening to music and dancing? I mean, I know some may sound silly, but that's what it takes to just shift into that good. state. <laughs> it does. You know, it's crazy. <laughs> and and we did it. And, and it's amazing how much more you can learn and how much more you can do when you're just feeling good. And yep. you know, whatever that is, like, whether it's a lot of people do the meditation, I love meditation, but I also love to like, the music thing exactly or like workout or something just to change your state because yep. it's so easy to be in a funk right it's
1: <laughs> so, like, so easy to stay there
0: <laughs> yeah it's and it's just so important to to know to have that awareness to know like okay i could be i can have a good day or a shitty day today what am i going to pick you know how am yep. i going to get out of this and mm-hmm. you know whatever it is you got to know like what makes you tick so
1: and I'm not going to lie. There's days I allow myself just to fuck. You know, yeah, I mean, well, sometimes you're going to have those days too.
0: You got to, and you got to, and then you just move on. You go, you look, yeah. I'm human. I'm allowed to do this. It's the main thing better. is,
1: yeah, it's like, as long as you don't stay there, that's just yeah, like,
0: totally. when I
1: want to stay there, it's I do. I will replay sometimes at boxing ring where the ref is counting. I'm down, I'm down and he's counting and he's slapping. I can hear yeah. his slap, you know, right next to my ear counting. And I never let myself get to ten. I'm always, I'm like, all right, oh, we're close good. to ten. I pop up and I'm up and I'm out and I'm doing it. So
0: the snooze is a big thing too. I find if yeah. you can get that snooze, if you don't hit that snooze button, it's like, all right, there's one win. <laughs> let's, exactly. let's keep going. It's uh, or the coffee, of course. Coffee, yeah. I, uh, oh, it's tough. I'm trying not to drink so much of it, but I don't know. Like,
1: My Mark that. used to tell me <laughs> in the mornings, "Don't talk to me until you have your coffee," because I just yeah. would be cranky. I would, yeah. and it's you know what? It's who I am. I drink my coffee. I'm happy. So I just make sure I do it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, for sure. So as, so what are some of the things that on a daily basis, though, as far as like the business side of stuff that you find challenging that you didn't really, because, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but maybe like, did you, you probably didn't have as much hands-on stuff as you did now before, correct? So what are some of that, the technical stuff or you know, yep. what are some challenges that you found that you're like, whoa, this is, this is a little bit more challenging than I thought.
1: Yeah. I think because I think the most challenging part is because we have like three or four businesses going at the same time. So it's not just me starting one and focusing on just one. It's organizing my time and, you know, Mark actually probably has on this board over here, what's going to make me the most money now? And what's going to make me the most money later? And so mm-hmm. just prioritizing, which ones to focus on and what to do. I said, really, what needs to happen for me is I have a partner of mine and he's got an assistant called London who basically, he just has everybody tell him what to do and when to do it. And I said, I need a London in my life just to tell me what to do and when to do it. <laughs> so Holy. I think eventually that's going to be the next level for me. I think the more people and more systems in place, it's going to help everything be more organized, but it's getting to that point. It's a lot of work to get to that point. Yeah. And so it's a lot of, Consistency. I would say the hardest part for me is consistency. Really.
0: Yeah, so, yeah. showing up. Showing up. I'm excited to see you know a year from now you know how you're doing because it's I mean you just plug away every day, you do the best you can, and all of a sudden you got this, you have built this thing, whatever it is, as long as you're consistent and there's no failure. You know, it's just you're just growing each thing. It's it's just one step leads to the next. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's yeah. I think
1: it's thing. having the patience, knowing that I can see. I think for me, the big thing too, is realizing that you can't stay in winter forever, that we go through seasons, um, businesses go through seasons. And for me, sometimes it's hard to have patience to, to wait for winter to be over, mm. but you got to have that season and it makes you appreciate spring and the flowers and the sun and the downfall of, you know, income and whatnot. So much feel so much better. Yeah, It's hard though, to be in that winter season and I'm coming out of winter, but it's it's still there a little bit. we got a little bit of snow on the ground yet.
0: <laughs> awesome. Where can we find you? Yep.
1: They? I think the easiest place, just go to shannonhoverson.com. Awesome. Oh, I, mean, I do want to put a little plug in for this if I can. Yeah,
0: please I'm, plug. This is your chance yeah. to plug. I should have music on for the plug. Right.
1: <laughs> exactly. No, I'm just going to, I'll just, I just have the two. Plug go to shannonhoverson.com. And then also we have this, I just got the foundation approved legal we can start donating as tax deductible. So we have the Solomon Foundation. So if you go to yoursolomonfoundation.com, it is the first year that the Solomon Foundation is going to sponsor the Great Lemonade Crusade. And the Great Lemonade Crusade, my goal is to have a 100 lemonade stands around the world and $50,000 raised so that we can have a big celebration with all of these people afterwards. So the Great Lemonade Crusade though, We've done this three years in a row and then Mark got sick, so we couldn't do it for a couple of years. But it's young kids ages 8 to 13 that learn entrepreneurship through a lemonade stand. It's not just a lemonade stand. It's a business. They learn upselling. They learn profit and loss. They learn how to have a really classy lemonade stand. There's requirements. And so it's really fun. I'm really proud of this project. And so if you go to yoursalmonfoundation.com, you can get plugged into when we're going to be hosting the Great Lemonade Crusade this summer.
0: Amazing. It'll all be in the show notes. Where was this stuff when I was growing up? Right. Exactly. <laughs> go sell some exactly. chocolates, go sell a lemonade, like make 25 cents.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. No, that's,
0: no. That's incredible. I love that.
1: So yeah, no, we've had a great response with it. Um, kids are really Get the real young excited kids
0: hustling. to mm-hmm. hustling at a young age.
1: Yep. And then at the end of it, we want to have a big conference where we get, because I think one thing that's lacking that I want to bring out, you can tell I'm really I this is love what, it. all the businesses yes. This is what I'm super passionate about. I love and it. so the goal is to get entrepreneurial families together. And so a lot of times, you know, it's the parents going getting pumped up and doing their thing, but yeah. the kids are just in the families and they're not really understanding maybe what we're doing or connecting with other kids that are kids of entrepreneurs and so i want to get everyone together and it's going to be fun we'll have like dodgeball tournaments we're going to award the prizes of you know who raised the most money who did the video who did everything for the lemonade stand so
0: that's amazing so if you feel
1: led to donate please donate to the sound oh,
0: yeah everybody make sure you lemonade. donate uh that's awesome i love that kind of yeah. stuff because it's <laughs> got such a good purpose to it you know like there's just yeah It's the youth is so important, and to teach them and and have that kind of thing is just so, so important. I love it. Yep. Yep. Okay, so we're nearing the end here. I just, I always ask this at the end out of all the stuff that you've learned through all these emotional times of adversity, I know there's probably more, but what's the first thing that comes to your mind that you could share with somebody that they can use to overcome adversity to go on to? get through their adversity or, you know, live uh inspired life.
1: Yep. I think when you're going to the adversity to not give into it, they're going to have something that's going to want to pull you down. It's going to want to pull you to somewhere dark, but not to let it. You're also going to have a place because when I was going through this with Mark, I could have gotten really dark. I could have went to a dark place, but then I also had this light, this opportunity. And we're all going to have that Whether whatever that is for that person. If it's, if it's a job, if it's a sport, if it's a new venture, if it's just taking a trip, they whatever it is, you're gonna have two pulls. You can choose one or the other. And I just say follow the pull that's the strongest. The light is going to want to pull you stronger and follow it. Follow that because you know you're gonna come through it. You don't have to follow the dark path, the light path, follow that pull and if you just choose to follow it, each time you're gonna be able to choose it. And it's gonna become easier to choose it. it might sound cheesy, but It's I, I felt that pull and I chose to follow it and I could have not. And I'm so glad I did because it's helped so many people by me doing that. And we each have a story that's going to help someone. I love
0: it. It's never cheesy. I mean, it just, whatever comes from the heart is, is all that matters, you know, because somebody will get value from that, you know, not one person, a lot of people. So that's amazing. It was so awesome to have you on. (laughs) I was, I, it, was it was so. A,
1: this was fun this was really yeah, fun Lance thank you, yeah, yeah, you had good I, questions
0: and yeah practical. I you know I this this was great and just hearing you share your story and I was I was really moved by it and it just takes so much courage and yeah bravery to be able to do that not everybody can do what you just did you know so you need to give yourself a pat on the back and I'm sure anybody that's listening can just absolutely inspired and moved by this so I just want to say thank you for taking the time and absolutely yeah, and I'm so excited to see what you create in the next year and uh we'll definitely keep in touch.
1: All right. Thank you so much, Lance.
0: Thank you. Yep. Thanks, guys. Hey everybody, thank you so much for listening. I hope you got some value from that. Without you guys, this isn't possible. So I really, really appreciate it. If you enjoyed the episode and got value from it, go ahead and rate it, review it, hit that subscribe button. We want to get this to as many people as possible and we want this thing to grow. So Go ahead, rate, review, subscribe. And I can't wait for the next episode. Thank you so much. You just finished another class at the University of Adversity. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and tune in again next time for more life lessons with Lance ECOs.